All right. And we are live as far as live goes, not really live streaming. So this is the uh, Simcast episode 30. This is uh, a fantastic episode. Uh, we're going to call this Node Sense, talking about nodes. I have returning guests, uh, Daedalus, you'll see in the middle, no cam. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, Tim? And Casino on the right, you'll see him. Welcome back again, Casino. What's going on? Hey, uh, both both uh, what I would consider veteran uh, participants and guests here on the Simcast. It's good to have you guys both here for episode 30. Um, so uh, everyone, uh, know you guys are no stranger to the people that watch the show. Um, today, we're going to talk about nodes a bit. Um, we may or may not have something new to share. Um, I've kind of cataloged a little additional information. I know we haven't really had an episode where we've actually talked specifically about nodes. It's come up significantly because significantly often because of the fact that, well, the game's revolving around that system. Um, it's a very big part of what is going to make the game uh, very different and uniquely different, I think, from so many other MMORPGs. Um, so I kind of want to start off uh, today. We'll kind of go data list and casino just for the round robin uh, kind of cycle here. Um, Daedalus, what would you say to a lot of people now? I, I'm asking these questions because uh, as the Ashes of Creation community has grown more and as uh, content creators, we get more and more questions about the game from people who really don't know a lot about it. So um, a big part of the reason I wanted to showcase and talk about the node system in this was um, partially because it's great to talk about something other than Ashes Apocalypse for once. And also because there are a lot of people that want to know, and well, this is a great way for them to find out. Um, so, uh, Daedalus, what would you say um, are some reasons or some things that make the node system, uh, this particular design pillar of Ashes of Creation, uh, really interesting and an important part of um, the MMORPG genre? Well, I mean, I would just say in general, um if anything sold me on ashes, you know, around the time of the Kickstarter, it was the node system and, and really um, primarily because it was, I wouldn't say necessarily a new idea, but I think the scale at which Intrepid was really trying to put that in and really build a game around nodes, you know, that in and of itself just felt like it was, um, a good way to build in um, actions that have consequences or benefits and, and create a world that's always going to be dynamic and ever changing. Um, you know, the current state of MMORPGs is rush to max level and then trade that discovery experience about seeing new zones and seeing things happen in the world for a perpetual grind. I mean, I'm, have been a career wild WoW player for you know over a decade, and that was the formula that I've been used to. So, kind of seeing this, um, and and to me, why it's so interesting is because it has a lot of potential to create a truly dynamic world if it's done right. Um, and kind of hearing the devs talk about it, it just never gets old because again, if it's done right, you're going to have content that will be evergreen it's not going to be stale because there's always going to be a new direction something else that might open up something new to discover maybe not on a day-on-day -day basis but month over month you know you'll be able to see something new and experience something new and it's organic 
Yeah, what about you, Casino? What do you think are some uh, things that make uh, this design pillar nodes uh, so interesting? Well, uh, a lot of what Daedalus said uh, echoes my, my exact thoughts, just to kind of expand on it. Uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, as you put it, like I, I would call it adaptive. He, he called it evergreen, and that's really my whole thing, is uh, the way it sounds like it's going to shape up is that it will, it will be a significant... Uh, benchmark for the entire server to hit for a certain area to eventually become a metropolis and uh the way they've made it sound at the peak level um of a node metropolises have like literally world changing influence on the server yeah. whether it's introducing some form of fast travel or uniting all the marketplaces or whatever it is so that will be really interesting and dynamic but then also uh it's as if almost like they're building mini expansion packs into the game because uh, one thing we know is that you can siege a node and downgrade it and destroy it. So if the goal is to get more areas uh, up to a metropolis or, or different areas rather, once you know all the world events that have been triggered by a certain area being a metropolis have been triggered, you can literally generate new content for the entire player base of that server by getting everyone together and being like, all right, this, you know, the people here have been on top for too long. We need to overthrow this dynasty. We're taking this node down and the neighboring one will rise up and we're going to introduce a bunch of new chaos and a bunch of new world events and a bunch of new quests and a bunch of new everything to the world. So it's, it's not only like a lot of content that mm -hmm. whichever order you get to it in, it's all there. So there's plenty of future content just laid into the foundation of the game. But then also, uh, he used the word organic, and that's absolutely right as well. So I have always loved in MMOs, like the, the big events in MMOs haven't necessarily been like, oh, there's a new world boss. A lot of it has been like, oh, did you hear this guild that owned this entire sector, you know, splintered apart from within, and now they're two feuding factions, and, you know, their stuff is getting snatched up, whatever it is. It's like the player drama. And the node system almost encourages, like, Game of Thrones-style like we'll band with your alliance and then we'll make a secret pact with this other alliance and at the last minute we'll overthrow them, wipe out their caravans and assert ourselves as the head of this city or whatever it is. And so there's a lot of like player created content and it's a really good uh, sandbox from which to to literally make and break down castles. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the one part too that like always is just, man, when I think about this, so we've got like, uh, I want to say it's 480 kilometers is supposed to be our world area, right? We've got in that world area over 100 nodes. That's crazy. That is insane. When you think when you think about that, the grand scheme of things, and you think in a 480 kilometer area, there are 100 points of which that could potentially become a metropolis. And out of those... Uh, what a hundred points? I want to say, and correct me if Six. I'm wrong. Yeah, you get up to that many Six massive. Problems. Yeah, you get that many that dominate this map, and then and yeah, and then that's not. In, and there's also what island nodes, uh, water nodes. So that could be out. Who knows? Right. In the well, no, that that'll be within the map boundary. Yeah. So yeah. some of that will yep. be you know just water, mm -hmm. but still mm -hmm. the fact that they have that many nodes, yeah. It's, that's that's a lot and that's just at launch too because i mean if they expand upon that i mean and the thing is is like 
I look at, I, I try to think of the bigger picture. And when I went to, when I went to the studios and I actually talked to Steven, one of the questions I had was what are some ways like long-term that you're looking to ensure that the game is always going to, is always going to have content. Like the end game is going to be there. Like and you're not going to launch and then you're going to have, well, here's our content. And now you get stuck kind of waiting around forever. There's going to be content patches and things like that. We already have another planet, at least that we know about Sanctus, right? Because that's where we come from. And mm -hmm. so my thoughts are like, like long term, the node system going into maybe other worlds, uh, dimensions, um, things like that. Then there's like, I don't know if they actually said whether or not the Underrealm will have. I don't think that's the thing at this time. But we know there's like another 100 plus uh, potential kilometers of space that are going to be devoted to like the Underrealm. The, un and, the Underrealm is going to be under most of the world, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, it's like your, it could be potential they, travel ways and things, I think, too. They they have said that there will be areas underground big enough for flying nodes to fly. That's pretty nuts. So, yeah. How cool if uh, if you could have a node that could potentially turn to some sort of a system, like a metropolis system. Granted, long term, but like, you know, I think overworld is kind of what the goal is with that. But... Uh, yeah, I forget. I did research on this. I, know. I did a video and I don't remember offhand if, if the under realm. So if I remember correctly, I think the the under realm is tied to what the nodes above it are. If okay. I'm not mistaken. So I think if if the nodes above it go to the metropolis, then the under realm in that section is also like mm. grandfathered in. I may I know, be wrong, but I could have sworn that there were under realm nodes and that maybe it's, as you say casino that it's tied to whatever is above but mm. um yeah i, I will i mean we'll have to probably have one of our many uh fact checkers that listen to the simcast let us know but i'm, yep. I'm pretty sure totally there, be there is that i'm if hoping you're pretty so. sure i'm i'm only moderately sure so we'll, we'll default to you i, I can think of I, a i am sure that the seasons carry over so that the oh seasons yeah above mm -hmm. will affect under realm. yeah which, uh, which, I'm, and this is the thing. I know a few people that watch Simcast that definitely will probably help correct uh, us on this one. But um, something as far as node advancement. See, we've got like the expedition, right? This is like the initial few hours that you open to some NPCs and stuff, and you start doing questing or whatever. You got the encampment, which is like many hours, like you know, tens of hours, I would think. Then you got like the village, which is a few days. You got the town, it's like many days, like you know, I'm thinking within a month. Then you've got, you know, uh. You know, you get to a city, which is uh, at least a few weeks, and then you've got the metropolis, which is many weeks. But then uh, the thing that I'm like, they they did the, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think of this. It was during their uh, live stream mom doing the D&D stuff. I know that, that we got some information around that time. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's going to kill me. I can't remember. And uh, it's talking about the zone of influence. This is something I'm going to have to probably come back to later and post a comment on. Um, but it was talking, it was something that they had said related to nodes three. That's something to do with the zone of influence. Just, was uh, it like that something could get enslaved as part of the zone of influence? Yes. That you might have. Yes. Was it, it related to that? I'm trying to remember if it had to do, if they were talking about, yeah, it does. Because they were talking about the zone of influence and then they were talking about you know, the other towns and like smaller, you know, divisions inside of like a zone of influence that, yeah, I feel like it was, I don't know, man, I was going somewhere with this and it was totally off the top of my head. 
I'm going to have to pull back, pull it back in later, but we'll move on. We'll move on. So, so what makes it vital to the game and its design? What's, you know, constant change, obviously, this is something that's very innovative, but what would you say that is, you all would say is when you think of nodes, um, a, clearly the game is designed around this. I mean, I remember that like EverQuest Next had a, uh, EverQuest Next, they, there was like parts of when that was go, like going into development, they were talking about that game way back when. I remember that there was a, a, a trend to what their language was as far as the ever-changing world and what we see in Ashes. So clearly they've made, I'm thinking that some of what's going on in Ashes might have come from Jeffrey or some of the people that potentially worked on those games, like EverQuest games and stuff. Maybe it had something to do with this before it got scratched. Um, but the node system is clearly going to be the most vital thing uh, aside from like combat design, I think. Um, Oh, all right. So I can I can confirm. Sorry to interrupt, but so I I did yes. a, a really really in depth deep dive video on uh, the world itself, the map, nodes, pretty much anything related to Vera at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I I had a section on the Underrealm, and I can confirm uh, that although there is an Underrealm uh, starting zone, it won't have a divine gateway. Mm -hmm. um the nodes in the underarm are related to the zones above them but they are their own zone of influence and they will have caravan caravan routes node sieges and possibilities for their own metropolis what cool. oh my god <laughs> see i knew they didn't have gateways because they're obviously the natives at the time like right that's crazy right. that is crazy there could be a freaking tolnar city a whole underground kingdom oh my god yeah, it's really cool. Okay, that's that's probably one of the most beautiful things that I've come to learn uh, regarding <laughs> nodes. <laughs> yeah, you for sure. Yeah, man. Well done. So let's talk about it. Let's oh, talk about. And the, hmm? I don't remember if you had this on hand, but you were you were talking about like how long each stage would last. Uh, not how long. Well, it was more of like how. Yeah, yeah. Going ahead, it's probably about lasting. Oh, yeah. I have them all if you yeah go ahead and rattle that off i was, I was reading it off sure. the wiki yep so uh the first uh stage is expedition which would just be a few hours on average and then stage two would be an encampment where they said many hours uh stage three they said would be a village which would be about a few days stage four would be a town which they said would be many days stage five would be a city which they said would be a few weeks and then stage six would be a metropolis which they said would be many weeks to two to three months right on so you're looking at a two to three month investment ultimately to get a, well, assuming it wasn't really clear if they meant like from start to end two to three months or more after that, or, or if that's right. the addition. So if, if that's the addition, then you're looking at uh, about four to four and a half months in total, if it's an addition, Shit. otherwise two to three, but I'm wondering about that too. That's like one that's when I was looking over this, I was like, is that like additional more? Like, is that a few hours? And then once you get to the point where that develops, is it then many hours after and then it becomes the encampment? Or is it like the opposite where a culmination of many hours total? Or... I, I think that the two to three months is the total because the culmination, way it, the way they wrote it, they said they think it'll take about this long to progress to. Got it. Oh, oh, no, no. Never mind. They wrote to each new stage of a note. So never mind. I, I think to each is... new stage. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Damn. That's quite an investment for Metropolis, then. Yeah. 
That kind of makes some sense, though. It will kind of yeah. fund itself because with every upgrade, even prior to Metropolis, you're getting new quests, new NPCs. Ex- you know, there's a lot of expansion. Yeah, that's happening. true. So it should every time it happens, there should not only should because it's not like the older stuff goes away right. for the most part. So more people will show up for the original stuff, and then the people that were already there now have new stuff to do. Yep. So it, it should just naturally attract more people as it grows. Right, because yeah. where everything's popping. Yep. Much like it would have, it would be in reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's. Um, I'm kind of thinking about that. I'm like, so I'm thinking if a metop- metropolis could potentially take that long to develop, like part of me thinks that that makes sense from a game launch perspective because you don't want people to be like, oh, we got a metro- metropolis like really quick. Because that's, I mean, that's a big part of your in-game content. One of the biggest complaints I've always had about, you know, MMORPGs when they launch is is you start playing it and then you get to your end game content like that and you're going, well, damn, now I've done everything, mm-hmm. rep grinded everything, and I'm I'm capped out and now I'm waiting for like how long until I'll just run the same raid over and over for six months <laughs> wow. until I put out one new raid. Yep. Yeah, that makes some sense. So my next question was, uh, Dela, so. What is it to you that is going to make the node such a vital component? I think we've kind of hit on that a little bit here, but um, what are some of your thoughts in that regard? Makes it so vital. I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's the catalyst and it's that catalyst or even the epicenter for change, right? I mean, you're yeah. you're obviously, as you build up a node, you're going to discover resources in that node zone of influence. You're going to kind of see things build up. Um, you're going to establish your sense of identity with the node. Um, if you invest time in, and especially if it's like weeks, you know, many weeks of time. So to me, it just feels, um, I think I mentioned this before, right? It's, it's a way to keep the world dynamic as the node progresses. It, it, you know, controls that change and how the world evolves. Um, and it also opens up opportunities for choice. Um, you know, trade-offs between maybe as, you know, the node leadership investing in one particular building over another or the node leadership, you know, allying with another node and forming a trade route. Um, the, the nodes that are in that zone of influence as the, you know, as the main node evolves, right? It's obviously we talked about node enslavement being, um, you know, tied in with, a node that progresses the furthest. I think it's just it's it's such a central um, part of the game and part of the player agency that the team is trying to develop. I I don't know. I mean, I just I find that um, the reason why it's so vital. It's just again we talked about it being a pillar of the de- design. It definitely is, and I can echo your thoughts on you know Jeff and the other folks that came in from the EverQuest next you know, idea, I'm sure, you know, once Steven and Jeff got together, you know, and they started talking about how, what they wanted to do for Ashes of Creation, you know, Jeff is probably like, let's do this. We didn't make it happen with Next for whatever reason. This is something that's going to be a game changer. And people knew it back then when Next was getting a lot of hype. And had they actually launched that game, I mean, I would, you know, I would, venture to say it would still be as viable if not more viable than wow 
if they had succeeded in doing what they were doing because that was such a uh i would say a game changer in and pardon the pun in, in relation to the mmo genre mm-hmm. well you can I see them agree uh well so i'm going to take an interesting take here cool uh, i i don't like the use of the word vital um and the reason i say that is no other mmo that's ever existed has had a node system and plenty of other mmos have been successful so i wouldn't call it a vital system but Fair. that's really just being picky about semantics because all in all it's an amazing feature it, i would say it's their hallmark feature like although i already like ashes because in my opinion they're taking a lot of the best ideas from other mmos yeah. and bringing them all into one mmo they didn't even need the node system to have a really solid yeah. game but then all of the other things although it's like the right collection of other good features every mmo tries to have that that one feature that no other MMO has. They, they always have some form of a gimmick. Um, so like just as an example, a while back I played an MMO and their gimmick was just like any other MMO, except you had a squad of up to, I think four NPCs with you at all times and they gave you buffs and you could train them up. And so they were like hired hands. So you were a team of five as opposed to just one, even though like you had your main character. That was their gimmick, otherwise just a standard MMO. So the node system is this game's gimmick, in addition to the fact that it was already a good game, and it's a really, really good gimmick. So, you know, it's I would say that it's their, it's their hallmark feature, and that's why at this point it's in, integral to the game. But the other thing is, as he, uh, again, put perfectly, I just feel like I'm here to just say what he said. <laughs> but... Uh, but absolutely, uh, it is a catalyst. That's the exact word I'd, I'd use to describe it. It's a catalyst. Um, but they've made it very clear that the players make the content for yeah. this game. The players are going to mm-hmm. decide the trade routes and decide which cities to populate. They're making the buildings and, and choosing which buildings go where. They're making the armor. They're making the weapons. Like All the content is the players. They want you to own your own taverns and post your own bounty wanted posters and have your own tavern games. Like It's really about the world the players make and the node system is like the perfect right gift to the players like here are the tools go make a story because and and here's the bigger thing and i, I could be misremembering this one small detail but if i'm not mistaken i think nodes still get their xp that they would be getting if like because once a metropolis is metropolis it is literally blocking yeah. nearby nodes from reaching that point um just by sheer size like they would overlap so I think the ones that that are blocked from expanding are still gaining their XP and are more or less ready to blossom once the Metropolis, if it were to get like attacked, downgraded and destroyed, shrink back down. That would allow for a fairly quick expansion of the nearby node. So I think a lot of the content is going to come from like once the world events have been triggered and once all the quests have been done, the the players at the front of the pack are going to literally choose like all right we need to take this down and build something new and see what comes of that um and and that would literally all be motivated by the node system at the core of it yeah i'm kind of wondering too like because I, I feel like i remember that information being the thing like it hold the xp gets held there or something and then i kind of because <clears throat> i remember feeling like i remember hearing that and then thinking them i remember having the thought well if that happens does that mean that it instantly kind of gets faxed, you know, fast tracks if a metropolis is destroyed or brought down to a certain level? 
And then how quick does that look? What's that evolution look like if that is withheld and then it does boost up? Like, you know, because I feel like a natural progression would be that it would maybe have the XP and then grows quick, but not instantly just like becomes the next one, you know? Well, so the first thing is taking down a node, I believe, is going to be like quite the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it Very big. Exactly. Super and wide. Then, um, and then I think, uh, if I remember, because you're right, they were talking about this. I don't remember the specific thing. I think it was... I think like once it hits a new size or a new mark or whatever, that like there's a set amount of time that it has to be at that size before it goes up again. So like just using the the one as the example, uh, where was it here? Um, so like let's say that the village stage, which is stage three, lasts a few days. Like if this was restricted to a level two encampment and then the nearby node got destroyed, I don't think it would be able to shoot up to like the city stage of stage five right away. I think it would have to do its few days as the village time and then have to do its many days as the town. But All I think right. it, like the XP would already be there. So it like, even if for whatever reason, people weren't in that area, like it would still, it would still continue to blossom because of how much traffic there was in the area. Would be my guess. Yeah, I'm actually so I'm kind of sitting here looking at it, and so because I'm trying to really, I really want to know this, and I don't know that I know, or if they, we know for sure if we have the exact exact answer. Because the advancement of a node unlocks its unique content comes from a cost cost of locking out increasing ring of neighboring nodes from progressing to the next stage. Then I skip down. And it says less advanced nodes referred to as vassal nodes, right, which are in the zone of influence. Uh, the the major nodes uh, zone of influence can still gain XP, but must remain at the lower advancement, which is what we said, until uh, the dominant uh, stage. Then the dominant node, so it it locks a certain spot. It says the node does not receive XP from the nodes within its ZOI zone of influence. Police nodes have reached reached their cap, but I don't see anything. Oh, about storing XP. About, but I don't okay. see it not either. I don't. Well, no, again, I don't um, know. I'm going off of a shaky memory. I, I was uh, yeah, I'm well versed to... in this months ago. But right. Like, I, that's a small thing. Even if they don't save the XP, then it becomes a, a rat race scramble to see which one you can power yeah. up. But I would assume that if you had the resources to take a metropolis down, mm -hmm. you've got the resources to rededicate that effort to mm -hmm. the other node and bringing it up. Right. But, yeah, I would think so. I would think so. So, so here's one cool thing that I've recently... Uh, come to learn about that I, I want to get your guys' thoughts about. Um, so they said that there's going to be like a trophy park in an area within towns, uh, cities, and metropolis nodes uh, that there's available spots for trophies. And I'm not sure if it's going to be like a literal trophy or maybe like statue type stuff because we know statues are a little, di little bit different. But they show the character names of players who were the first to complete world bosses and dungeon bosses that were spawned as a result of the development of that particular node. I think it's pretty cool. What are some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, I love the idea. I mean, again, it's like the devs consistently are looking for ways to reward players for doing what they do, um, you know, and playing their game. So I like that idea. I mean, it gives a sense of accomplishment, identity. I mean, these are kind of all themes that they've talked about on again and off again in their streams, right? Is they want people to identify 
with their avatar. They want to be able to invest time in the game and have some sense of you know, citizenship, if you will, right? So if they're spending a lot of time, months, you know, building up a node to a metropolis level and somebody goes to attack it, you know, by God, even the people that don't like the PvP are right. going to be like, no, not in my house. Right. Meaningful conflict. Mm -hmm. um, so quickly to the people may not know. So there are, um, what, five no types? Uh, Four? What, yes. Five, five. Yeah. Yep. Military, yep. economic, uh, there was a four divine, uh, divine, economic, military. military, and scientific, right? Yep. Four. Right. Four. Yeah. Four. So my, my question to you guys is right. Like what type do you feel like you see yourselves committing to? I know my answer. Oh, it's a good uh, well, mine's going to kind of be a non-committal answer. <laughs> what? Put it, Come on, but, man. I mean, ultimately, I mean, I'm I'm going to be a man of of my people, right? So I'm going to go with the you know the node, you know, my guild right. you know, collectively decides. But if it was me personally, there we go. That's what I want to know. Maybe I will commit. I will commit. Okay. Um, I I do find the religious and scientific nodes most interesting. Okay. I mean. The religious one, I mean, the minute I heard Steven start talking about if a religious node progresses to a certain stage, it, you know, the world opens up and there's like this hell dungeon or hell raid. I'm like, right. oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And then the scientific yeah. note, I mean, I just <laughs> like the idea of, you know, quote unquote, technology coming into play and science coming into play. And I think that just even, you know, in my limited tactical mind, I see, okay, a scientific node feels like from a, a military perspective would have advantages because you could create, even in your limited zone of influence, some type of fast travel. So I right. think that, you know, has a lot of strategic advantage, um, in my opinion. Um, but we don't know a lot about the nodes, so I may be completely off. I mean, you know, there may be others. Like, I, you know, the economy might be a way to kind of stay on top. But I, me personally, I think what sounds the coolest is going to be the religious and the scientific. So the, they're all seats of power in terms of, because you were saying like a military advantage. I would argue that they seem like they're all going to have significant military advantage. Like at the end of the day, the the person or peoples who are the head committee of any metropolis are going to be big power players in the, mm -hmm. so to speak, the mm -hmm. game of thrones of uh, ashes of creation, whether it's, you know, having them make like facilitate your use of their fast travel as opposed to taxing the crap out of you when you try or, uh, you know, whatever it is. I, I, I don't remember specifics on the, the military nodes, but uh, you know, like not attacking them on site or allowing them to make use of the military advantages or benefits, the economic nodes, of course, um, you know, allowing them to basically uh, stash war supplies on that market. You know, there's going to be all sorts of, of ways to have influence in the major events uh, being in charge of any metropolis. So some may be a slightly more advantageous position, but I think all of them will be pretty significant. If yeah, I hope it's situational. <laughs> I hope it's situational that there's never going to be, you know, an I win button in terms of a node. I want it to be, okay, you know, 
this is what the world's looking like right now. These are the type of nodes that are king. Then something changes and then people realize, hey, this isn't the best course of action. Do something else. That's what's going to so, keep the game interesting. So the interesting thing, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure on this, I believe what type of node it is is already decided. Correct. So, so you, you know, just based on where people are, are gathering, you don't get as much of a say. It's, it's not like, let's make this an economic node. It's like, this just happens to be this kind of node. This is how it's going to play out now. If there's a way to know beforehand, like all right, we have several neighboring nodes all coming up around the same time and they're, they're each this type, let's go over there and grow that one. Um, you know, then that'll, it, it, you know, we don't know how much control we'll have over which, which ones we grow. But, uh, yeah, there is something, a quote that I just saw from Steven on the wiki that speaks to that. And you're absolutely right. We are going to have an idea of what type of node something is, because you might, based on the NPCs Initial. that are around, mm -hmm. but, but we're not going to be able to change what a node is. It is right. what it is. We just choose which one of those nodes yeah. to develop. And with a hundred different choices at launch, I think that's going to be a very interesting right. <laughs> dynamic. But, but so I, I will tell you which one I prefer and why. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely the scientific one. All right. Um, and it's mainly because of how the people in power stay in power on a metro in a metropolis. So the uh, the divine node is a meritocracy. It's uh, you know just whoever does the most divine contribution. Uh, they'll have some kind of benchmark like quests or whatever. But at the end of the day, the the hardest grinder or group of grinders are going to be able to keep the top spot of a divine node and that's just insane maintenance um in a militaristic node uh it is like you challenge them and if you beat them then you're the new king so to speak mm -hmm. and uh so that one is still just a little risky even if you are top dog yeah you know whatever it is like someone walking by spills a drink on your keyboard or your power goes out in the middle of a flight whatever it is like there's too many ways to lose your seat due to uh factors out of control obviously most of the time the fight will just go off no problem right. but whatever um and then so uh the economic one you would buy your seat essentially and so you only like that one offers some control but if enough other people with money stand to make money from taking you out of power yeah. they can pool resources together yeah. and you literally won't be able to compete to keep your seat and then the scientific one is actually just a nice civilized vote so although it's possible to organize like voting against someone i'm interested to see if it'll be more like uh the real world where whatever happens in, in politics People just always want a different person right. in office, no matter what. They just always think this sucks. It could be better. Mm -hmm. Or or if people are like, you know, this leader is good. Let's keep this leader. Like things have been going great. Why change? But uh, yeah, just the fact that you you can have a vote to keep someone in power. That one, I would say, gives you the most control, especially if you are liked by the people. So, yeah, I would say I'm between divine and scientific. And I would say that I'm at like, I'm at like a 50-50. Scientific for the reasons Casino explained, and Divine because of the Lightbringer. The Lightbringer makes sense, but I yeah. would not want to try to retain the seat of power. It, in a that's the like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. That's the dilemma. It's like, but do I 
because you guys have heard me say probably dozens of times now, like the grind idea kills me. So mm-hmm. like while in theory, that sounds like you've entered the realm of the lights, righteous crusader, you've entered the realm of the light. Look, while that sounds I, great in theory, I just don't know. Look, I would argue that Thomas Edison, famous scientist, <laughs> totally a light bringer. Yeah. Hey, this is well, well played. Well, well, well played. But one thing you have to realize too, though, divine no doesn't necessarily mean good guy, right? You could it's true have, story, yes. Yeah, you could have a deity that's you know part of the the three guys that went off on their own and said you know screw the seven, right? So yeah. you, you could have that that type of meaningful conflict too, right? Two divine nodes going at it based on two different deities yes um and i think the one thing that's interesting about economic (laughs) node they talked about too was the fact that you kind of buy your way in with some sort of account bound currency so you can't even necessarily pull your resources for that oh yeah that makes that interesting yeah to me too and i agree you know the (laughs) the vote is the more civilized but the other ones definitely there's there's a lot more room for, um, you know, some type of um, conflicting ideas there. Right. That's why I said I uh, left up to me. I prefer to, to <laughs> like, it, 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 politicians get a lot less done when they spend half their time in office worrying about campaigning to keep their seat. Right. So that's that's my whole thing is I don't want to worry about all the maintenance I would have to do to, yeah. s- to be able to keep, you know, keeping things in line. I'll take the vote, but uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever works for you guys. Right on, man. So you know, I kind of wondered. I'm, I'm really curious how they're going to really make the uh, the economic node work exactly to ensure that you can't just necessarily pool resources because I feel like that would be the danger. It's like, well, guild just gets together, throws all their money in the pool, and just pfft. well. So it, it kind of is its own insurance because in an economic node, theoretically, anyone off the street can walk up and be like, right. I, I want that node. So boom, yeah, it doesn't even even if you get an entire alliance funding you, you know, with the right promises, like, don't worry, when I'm in charge of the node, right. no, no taxes, whenever you, you're coming in, to do your work or whatever it is, uh, <laughs> you know, you could get two, two other full alliances to back you just because right. So it's going to be a lot of. It's going to be a lot of Wall Street level corruption, I feel. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I actually do. I actually do feel, even though the scientific one is the vote, I am almost positive that the economic nodes will be the ones where the leader never changes because once yeah. they have enough money and influence, you know. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of curious it. about that one too a lot. Like, so mostly because, like, I wonder, like, you know if it's like an account type currency and you have to earn it through some kind of like, I just, I want to know how that's going to work out. I'm hoping that none of the nodes can be held that way though, to where it's just monopolized because of something like that to where I like the idea where like, well, you guys have been enjoying power for a while and here I am Joe Schmo. I don't have a guild in the world. I, I got nothing in my, in my pocket except for a bazillion of these tokens I've been farming for the past year or something. And then one day you come along from all your hard work and you're like, mic drop on everybody, just take it. And then it adds this like random factor to like what's going to happen now. I would imagine that 
in an economic node, that would be much less likely just because even if it's a currency bounty account, it's I, I would assume that it's going to be something that can only happen in like you'd only be able to get a sufficient amount of the currency essentially orchestrating an economy and working with enough people mm. and having enough connections to even like be it. in that situation. But I would say that the one where it sounds like Joe Schmo could walk into town and be the leader military. By the next time military or divine divine if you just hit the ground running and are like yeah. i'm gonna grind be it, awake yeah. every day all day right just just doing these quests you know for the deity um and then of course military if, if you know just some guy comes in and just starts kicking everyone's ass yeah i could see divine being like uh emperor is in the elder scrolls online right now where because i remember when that when in pvp emperor is the highest you know achievement you can get i've been an emperor in that game how it's achieved is highest alliance points which you can farm and at the time at the time that the game launched the way you got it was at unfortunately you got it through you know normal occurrences such as defending a keep healing people doing damage and killing a player if you were one of x amount of people who killed the player and they were still worth ap alliance points then that was distributed to a certain percentage or whatever and then you had this repeatable quest, which was horrible because it was the same one, kill enemy players 20 or whatever. And you could repeat that one over and over and over and over and over. Now they're dailies in the game. But but aside from all of that, you know, it was like I got to sleep. Like, well, I'll be honest, when I got the Emperor in, in the Elder Scrolls Online, I, I didn't get much sleep for a few weeks there. Like I didn't. And there were people that were doing this that would have like, okay, time for you to get on now, wifey. And then wifey gets done. Okay, bro, get on. Okay, honey, get on. And it was like the same person, uh, player or same character on the same account, but multiple people playing it. And so when you say that, that's what I think. It's like somebody could easily do that. And so, yeah, it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past. And I wouldn't you know, want that either. No, I, exactly. I, had, I had some experience with, with these types of things. Yeah. Uh, a game uh, you may have heard me mention before, Star Wars Galaxy. <laughs> I think maybe I, a couple times, yeah. I've literally never done a simcast where it hasn't come up. <laughs> you haven't um, right. but, but to be fair, they had a really cool system. So so they had, uh, like, early, early in the game, one, one of the things that made it amazing was Jedi were super, super rare. They were literally, like, an alpha class worth five of any other class. And so once you 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 know were a, a padawan and whatever and you got to a certain point you did the knight trials and once you became a jedi knight then you became eligible on either side light or dark to go to their enclaves which is where they actually pick people to rise up in the ranks and both sides had their own hierarchy of power and they literally got different robes based on rank and they had different stats so if you were on the light jedi side i believe it was the uh chancellor the light Jedi Chancellor, and on the dark side, the the top dog was the dark Jedi Overlord. Mm. And uh, but so then, like below them, there would be like I forget the exact number, but there'd be like three of the the rank below that on each side, and then like eight of the rank below that on each side, etc. And so on the light side, they met every so often, and they you had to be there to like essentially put your name in, and they voted who gets what spot on the light side. So they had to do like some campaigning and, and make deals and like, you know, let no. me be chancellor this time around. I, I'll back you for chancellor. I next promise, time. yeah. A bunch of glad handing on the opposite side, on the dark Jedi side. They had to meet every so often to issue challenges. If you decline the challenge, they get your spot. If you accept the challenge, the winner of the fight gets the spot. 
and it was literally like a military node and so uh, the guy who was the dark jedi overlord was already the guy who manually kicked everyone else's ass and then they gave him the best robes so he was able to to keep that spot for a bit but it was really cool seeing those two different it was literally like a voting system in a uh like a scientific node and a military combined. type of type of who who became the lead i like so. that yeah that, that's a really and you know what would be cool too is because there's people on that are working on ashes that have worked on that game i know that would be yeah, cool yeah i was thinking about they probably took something from that too i mean they've already talked about crafting being you know mm -hmm. in the flavor of swg so mm -hmm. i wouldn't wouldn't put it past them to do that too they're they're like you know like you said casino they're they're looking for the best ideas in other mmos and one-upping it and trying to you know move the needle on those even those good systems too yep they that's the main thing that got me totally on board for this game is star wars galaxy is my favorite game i've ever played and there hasn't been another game quite like it since and this is the first one that it seems like it's going to recapture a lot of the spirit of what that game was, which is mm -hmm. great. That's beautiful. Hopefully so, yeah. So, you know, uh, this is uh, something that wasn't really on the agenda to talk about, but we were sitting here talking about nodes, and I was like, man, I feel like i got to bring this one up because I want to get your guys' thoughts about it. Um, I was watching the most recent Dungeon Crawler Network uh, from the Ashes, and uh, it was one Crojack was on there, and then it was uh, Alpha Soul... Um, Stormlords and of course the Jellos, right? And they brought something up that I hadn't really, I didn't really know about. So I knew about the bounty system, right? That's going to be in the game to kind of go after corrupt people that are out there wreaking havoc and griefing and stuff. Um, but apparently that's, and this is something I wasn't aware of. Uh, this is coming from them, so I'm a little, little off on this. But I guess the bounty hunter system is supposed to be tied to military nodes and I didn't, know that. I didn't either i didn't that that part completely escaped me and they they were talking about that and i thought so that's an idea of the perks that a node has right that's something now i kind of i don't plan on going military node but that's something i really want to participate in and what are some of your thoughts do you guys feel like that's something that should be tied to just military node um and why i mean i guess to me i i don't have an opinion one way or the other um i mean i think there is going to be a sect of the gamers on any server that's gonna want to you know dive bomb a military node and and want to be the top dog there so there's always going to be uh and on any server a group of super competitive players that want to do that and and in that sense i mean i i don't think it's going to matter that it's tied to a military node by the same token you're going to have people that are just going to want to watch the world burn and they're <laughs> going to end up wanting just to be the guy that everybody hunts on the server too so i guess i don't have an opinion uh, either way i mean i think that dynamic that type of gameplay is always going to be present regardless of when what node is topped up so I actually think we're missing a, a key piece of information, which is what is the barrier for participation? So for example, if, if all the bounties are placed or handled within a military node, that doesn't necessarily mean that, let's say I'm the leader of a scientific node on the other side of the map, doesn't mean I can't 
make a journey to the military node to place the bounty that I want to place. It just means I would have to go to the, you know, the cutthroat collective and say, hey, I want to put a hit out on someone. I heard I needed to talk to you guys to make that happen. So I don't mind it if it's a centrally located thing as long as everyone can access it. But if it's something like if I'm not a citizen of that military node, then I don't have the option to place or fulfill bounties or whatever it is, then obviously um, that's probably not how it should be done. But. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You've got to incentivize people to interact. And I think that would not if you had to be a citizen of that node. But as long as we can just swing by there and make use of the bounty system, then it's like, this dude pissed me off earlier. I'm going to go put 50 grand on his head. So I'm taking a trip over there. You want to come? You know, we're going on an adventure. Yes. Yeah, I'm down. I'm actually um, looking to see. Quest. Yes. We're going on a crusade, champions. Um, I'm looking because I want to. I'm really curious if that you have to be because I know that you go to a tavern and there's like a world map, and if they have over a certain corruption level, then then they pop up on that map, and then you can go collect. You can go after them at, and take the bounty up and potentially kill them, and and things like that. So, um. That's something I am I'm looking right now at the wiki to try and yeah, see. Yeah, I definitely mm -hmm. thought it was like a tavern or something where you had a bounty map system. Yes, it is. Yeah, maybe that tavern has to be located on a military node, but the, I, again, Casino's opinion I agree with. It's, I, I would want that to be fair game. Anyone should be able to put up a bounty on anyone that has wronged them in the world. Right. Anyone, anyone should be able to walk into the tavern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping you don't have to be. Oh my God! Nope, I correct. I correct myself. We were thinking that only available to citizens of military four, military stage four towns, nodes, or higher. Oh wow, hmm. that's placing or fulfilling. Uh, they quest can only the okay says players can acquire the bounty hunter title through a quest available only. So I'm thinking you can only get the. Oh, that's for the title. It, I don't know. It says bounty hunter status can be toggled on or off. Hmm. I would guess bounty hunter status. God, I don't like, know. Bounty hunter status is probably like everyone who has a bounty on them is flagged for PvP for you immediately, and you can kill and and turn it in. Yeah, I can see, see that. Yeah, I could see that being a thing, right? Because you have to have some type of investment to gain a benefit as a bounty hunter. Right. But I still think the, the quest piece, at least putting bounties out there, should be open. I'm I'm hoping it is, and I don't see it either way on here. While you guys have been talking, I've been looking. I don't see it. I see that as the only thing. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. For anyone who's a completionist and wants every title in the game or... That's really going to be interesting. So, I mean, I'm assuming you could change your allegiance at some point, obviously, or, you know, join another node, et cetera, and go get the achievements you want and then call it as far as that goes. But yeah, it's definitely, you're not gonna be able to get the achievement unless you're aligned with that particular node type. You got to be a citizen. Yeah. Dang it. Bummer, but yeah. Dang it. And I'm a completionist and I don't know that I want a allegiance to a military node for that. 
but I'd want the title because that's me. It's unfortunate so for me. You but... just have to be a citizen of the node. So you'd have to break citizenship yeah. in one place and basically say, like, hold my spot, hold my stuff. Right. I'm going to go live there for a month and I'll come back a bounty hunter. So I would really like it uh, if, you know, I could have an alt and I could go run and do this and then have it on my account. That'd be fantastic. Speaking of an account system. Okay, let's move on. So what's the importance of, of being committed to a, a, a pledging to a particular node type, guys? What's the bonus? What are some bonuses that maybe you're hoping that they have in the game that they haven't even talked about yet for a node type? Let's say scientific for casino or even maybe, you know, a religious node for a Daedalus. I mean, I, I think kind of a major thing, and this is probably node agnostic is or no type agnostic is going to be housing and access to the services. I mean, it really just depends on what type of player you are. Um, you know, maybe the scientific node might give you some bonus to crafting um, that you might need maybe to, if you want to be one of those epic level, legendary level crafters, um, you know, I think you know, achievements definitely are, are going to be something that, you know, completionist, everyone's going to really mm -hmm. seek out. So different types of achievements, different types of titles, I think would be great perks for nodes, different buffs. Um, I think it's just going to depend on what type of player, what you want to do. I mean, I think that's a common theme Jeff keeps talking about. What kind of player do you want to be? We want Ashes of Creation to be that outlet for you. So kind of seeing that, um, I think the other... I guess the other piece that I would see is it is I, this is a general rule. Um, the player's relationship with the world is going to be much more symbiotic than any other game. So I'm expecting, again, depending on what your goals are, that's really where you're going to focus your time and, and those, the benefits of that particular node you ally yourself to are going to, you know, ultimately you want those to ally to your play style. So, and it also depends on who you surround yourself with, right? I mean, I talked about before, my first allegiance to a node is most likely going to be what is most important to my guild and furthering my guild's ideals. But you're also going to have alliances. You're also going to have um, other things, other factors that might say, okay, well, our guild might want this, but I really should contribute to this other node because it helps maybe the, you know, further what I want to do. And whether or not it's a citizenship thing or not, I think you're going to want to move within your node or influence within your node and your guild what might benefit your play style. And, and that's where I think the true um, dynamics of the game are going to come in to play whether that be again access to services different buffs more complex questing i mean we talked about the divine node having you know more and more quests available i'm hoping not a total grind i'm hoping it's going to be maybe more lore related stuff that you're going to get to experience so it's not necessarily the same thing over and over god help me if we they you know, institute a daily quest system. Oh, God. I, I, I might throw myself off of the nearest metropolis if that happens. <laughs> Ironically, that sounds like a divine note more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't I'm even want to hear it. I'm hoping we're wrong. But oh, I guess like... that's, that's what I would say. What would be most important? I think it's going to be a symbiosis between what 
type of play style you have and what a node might offer, I'm hoping that those kind of line up, like I said, crafting for scientific, economic might, again, might be kind of resource management too, in addition to crafting. Um, so you might, you know, have those types of benefits. Those kind of pop in my head in terms of those two military, et cetera. I'm not, I'm, I haven't really had much of an interest in those. So I'm would be interested to see what they would do. Most likely it would be combat buffs, I would imagine. So I want to go in an interesting direction here. And, and as usual, I agree with absolutely everything you said. Um, <laughs> but so I want to go in an interesting direction here because there's a, a weird, technically a node, not technically a metropolis, a bull node situation that I'm more excited for than any of the others. And that's guild castles. Mm. So I don't know how familiar you guys are with guild castles, yeah. but here's like a super quick rundown for anyone that's not. Go. There will be exactly five guild castles throughout the world. They're different from regular guild halls, and they will be constantly contested. So they exist outside of the standard node system, as they will never exceed stage four, and they're always considered military type. They will have three adjacent nodes in close proximity, and uh, as you level the smaller ones, they'll have a bunch of benefits, ultimately helping improve the defense of the castle itself. And... Uh, the only way to participate in the development of a castle node is to be a member of the guild that holds the castle. So the maximum capacity to reap the benefits of a castle node is one alliance size. And basically every month, a new guild can attempt to take it um, by attacking each of the smaller nodes for a week leading up to, so that's three weeks because there's three smaller yeah. nodes, one each week. And then in the final week, depending on how much you were able to weaken the castle, then you get to launch a full-on assault on the castle itself in the fourth week. Um, so I'm super excited for that because, uh, you know, it, you won't run into an instance where, uh, you know, you get just zerged by like a, you know, pre-existing gamer network of like 5,000 <laughs> players all working together because only one, you know, like... You might get some extra people helping a certain guild, but at the end of the day, only one guild can actually hold the castle. Um, and then the the prize is the leader of a guild that holds a castle gets a flying mount, which has been my number one goal uh, from day one. So it sounds like the most immediate way to get it, but I'm really excited to basically just constantly be overseeing castle defense and, and everything else that would occur out in the world is going to happen anyway. It's like, make good relationships with the crafters so that we're stocked up on potions and weapons and armor and, you know, make friends with the people who have a uh, good influence in, you know, the economic stuff so that we always have a steady supply of this resource to provide to these people and whatever, um, you know, and just make sure you have friends in general so that if you need to call for aid, you can, but uh, yeah, castles are, are like their own nodes. They're, they're nodes, but they play by their own rules. So I'm more excited mm -hmm. for them than any of the others actually. Yeah, so uh, that's a really great segue into my next uh, question. Then, what about ruling? You know, whether we're talking about ruling a castle or ruling a metropolis, what about ruling in this game? Do you feel like is going to make it uniquely different than maybe where we've ruled in other games? I I think you're going to have to be a student of information, um, and that's going to be one of the biggest commodities overall i mean outside of resources right i think that's a given but you're also going to need to know what's going on in the world be kind of really dialed into the metagame mm -hmm. and i think that's where success leaders are need to you know 
that needs to be in their wheelhouse, whether it's them personally or having a network. Um, they need to be in, intimately familiar with what's going on in the world, what environmental factors are occurring, how other nodes are developing, whether those nodes that they're allied to, nodes that are there in um, you know con conflict with. Um, I think they also need to be mindful of what their citizens are asking for and what they need, what voices they should be listening to, because not mm -hmm. the mob may not necessarily be the right thing to listen to. Nope. They might be the most vocal and they might be able to overthrow you, but is that in the best interest of the node of itself? So I think it, it's just going to be a huge metagame and the people that really invest their time are going to be successful as rulers. Well, I, I, and I think in terms of how it differs from other games, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a complexity that you may not have seen in other games or you have, and you, you definitely want to learn from those other games. I, I, I haven't played personally played Eve, um, but I have a feeling it's, it, there's going to be some themes in that game that is going to come back to ruling in this game is we talked about betrayal and alliances and so forth and arch nemeses, the game, of all that's going to come into play right. here. Yeah. When you when you play the game of ashes, you win or you die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but so as per usual, uh, absolutely all of that. Um, to slightly expand on that, uh, you will. I, I don't know that well how other games of this type, in terms of having control, work. A lot of the games that I played, I've only played one that actually had player cities, and these are going to be mostly player cities with yeah. like a core of naturally existing stuff it sounds like but so in the game i played that had player cities the only things that were determined were like if you got big enough you could have a you know a certain level of travel and if you got really really big you could have like a shuttle that could be taken straight to your city and then you basically set taxes on you know what it costs to enter any given building um and and stuff like that but uh you know, just managing the bank, but like small stuff. This game, it looks like you'll control everything in terms of like deciding what buildings are getting built. So you'll literally decide like, do we want to put like an, another like forge and smelting place here to attract more crafters? Or do we want to put a tavern and more vendors here to attract more, more people coming to buy things in our town? Um, you'll determine the taxes and depending on what you're allocating those taxes on, like whether you're funding your your personal alliance to act as the military for the town or whether you're pooling all that money to, you know, upgrade every building to max capacity or whatever it is. And then whether you want to use those taxes to like act as a squeeze to kind of have like a mafia type of rule yeah. or, you know, whatever it is, it sounds like it gives you just total control. Um, now we don't know like what will be... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? What will be uh, oh, relegated or, or delegated down to other people? So it right. may not be just like one person making all these decisions, um, but a, a ruling team will, will have a lot yeah. of influence. And then separate from that, my original answer to this question was super, super short, which is if you're the leader of a castle, you get a flying mount. That cannot be overstated. It's a giant flying <laughs> creature that will have combat application. You will be able to 
do an airstrike. And it's a beautiful there will thing. be a very, very, very small amount of other players yeah. who can literally call in an airstrike. I know. So yeah, I just basically want to like rain molten fire breath on people. Right. Get a dragon. I think that's a genuine pursuit. Oh, I think so. Um so with that being said, we talk about, you know, sieging. We've talked about, you know, castles and um why is it that playing a pacifist won't really work too well in this game? I wouldn't say I, I that just that's think true. you're not gonna get away from it. <laughs> you're not gonna get away from that that um balance of, of that power struggle or I can mean, it work or how it. so so why can you not get away with it or if if it can work how can it work i think it's doable to be a pacifist absolutely how would it work you think so there was i'll give you a perfect example in star wars galaxies there was a guy <laughs> you have to remember well he had a very distinct name so i'll remember him okay. if you're out there listening uh, we still love you everyone from the server his name was plucky ducky uh, which is why and and he he made his own city he was the mayor of plucky duckyville um and so he got into an industry early on that uh, like there were all different w methods of crafting and he got into droid engineering which nobody did people want to make weapons armor clothing food no one really cared to make droids they just did like basic functions they weren't really essential mm -hmm. they didn't have combat applications but so no one got into it except him and he immediately became the droid guy and you didn't buy any droids from anyone else because as soon as he like i need a droid oh i know this guy everyone started buying from him then he had the money to buy all the specialty stuff to really take his competition up so like the next best droids you could get were like dollar store knockoff versions of this guy's droid and as a result he had a complete monopoly on that market and had so much money that he could hire other people to do anything if he wanted a really rare item from a really rare creature, he had enough money to say, I'm giving you this much up front, go get it, bring me back the thing, I'll pay you this much when you get back. And he was a very, very powerful person with no combat ability whatsoever uh, because he had so much economic influence. So I think just given the fact that there are economic nodes, you know, if you are the leader of the Alliance that, you know, found like the one rare deposit of super good silver exclusive to your island and you know how to use that leverage you know i i think you can i i, I believe it'll be possible and and with a bounty system uh, right. assuming that you can walk into that town like hey i don't have to fight you to make sure you die i can afford for you to die <laughs> right. so squeaky plucky let's go <laughs> <clears throat> nice 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 <clears throat> I, I the only thing that I would say, I mean, I'd have to disagree. I think at some point, somebody, there's going to be a bigger fish in the pond. I mean, I think there is going to be ways you can undermine the economic system. I mean, there has to be, because you're always going to want, I mean, I think the devs are always going to want ways to challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have people, like I said, in kind of one of the earlier topics, that are going to want to watch the world burn and assert their superiority. So there is, I, I just don't think there's going to be a, a way to a hundred percent avoid having some sort of conflict with other players. It may not be kind of direct PVP type of conflict, 
but there's going to be economic sabotage. There's going to be someone that's going to want to spend the time insinuate themselves within the organization of these pacifists and take it down from the inside out. I, At least I, I would hope so. I agree, but so I think we we kind of were uh, focusing on different aspects of the word pacifist. You you gotcha. took it in the direction of like completely avoiding all conflict whatsoever. Uh, and so while I think it'll be possible to play this game and completely avoid all conflict, you're basically going to be like, a clothing maker that you know says like the Jackie Chan. I don't want no trouble to everybody. You know, <laughs> like I don't. I don't think you'll rise to a position of power, but I don't see why you can't just be everyone's friend and be the guy that makes shirts and potions or whatever it is. But um, <laughs> I was thinking passive in terms of like you don't have to get their hands dirty, personally fighting mm. or worrying about who they can kill or who has more troops. So, right. you know, I I would say that uh, like you could be an evil tyrant banker with an iron grip on the world without being able to beat anyone in a fight. That would be my, technically that person's a pacifist, even if they're instigating conflict, it's not like a, I want to say like physical conflict, but in it, it's virtual. So don't engage a, it directly. A virtual simulation of a physical conflict. Right. Yeah. I, I can see your point. I think we are kind of looking at it from different angles. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I I think there is a way to be that puppet master, definitely. And that, like you said, not get your hands dirty. Um, to me, I was thinking pacifist, like, I just don't want to fight anybody at any time well, kind of situation. And there's always going to be that danger of it happening at some point. Well, uh, so here's the other thing is in this world, you will be able to just turn and attack the person yeah. standing next to you. Yep. So... Mm -hmm. So PK. What, as you've been saying, like there's always going to be someone who likes to watch the world burn. Like no one is safe from the random guy just who's decided like, yeah, I don't even want to play this game anymore. So they just go around shanking. Everyone <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You can always just get stabbed and then like you want to call yourself a pacifist. I guess you can run away, but you were in the fight. You just didn't do very well. That's um, true. So, so kind of coming up on our our last I'm going to go ahead and cloud close out with this last question then before we kind of wind it all down um what do you you two individually what do you want to see maybe it's like wishful thinking or it could be kind of like your hopes dreams as far as this particular thing goes uh when it comes to notes what's the thing you either want to see happen um or are hoping to see happen um in regard to to node or node development um, for you, I can take a shot at this one. Um, I would say, and this is probably something very simple for me to say, but probably way more complex to implement. Um, but it's something that the team talks about a lot. Uh, making choices matter. Mm -hmm. um, really thinking through that risk versus reward system, making that meaningful, um, motivating people to challenge the status quo. Um, just keep the game, you know, dynamic, fresh, evergreen, kind of what I talked about really at the start of the SimCast and, and focusing on having a really strong pipeline that does have flexibility 
so that the team can see what's going on on the server in the world and not necessarily deus ex machina the crap out of everything i don't want that to happen ultimately i want the game to have legs because the players want it to go in different directions and they that that interaction or that you know dynamic interaction is is going to cause change to happen um i just i want that to be something that is just consistently challenging players to do different things attack thing problems find solutions in different ways and to me making sure that the team has that strong pipeline to be able to react to that provide content for the choices that players you know that the players make in the game i think that to me is is going to be my nirvana in terms of a you know a positive gameplay experience if i do something and i commit to doing something that activity is going to matter in some form it's not may not be you know server changing but it could be but it still might give me some level of visibility to what i do what i invest in have bearing fruit in some form or another so i i would like to see this you know in terms of server by server maybe the same choices on different servers don't necessarily yield the exact same outcome mm -hmm. there's always going to be some nuance that makes things different so i again this is easy for me to say and want <laughs> it's hard to implement but i hope the team is thinking those few steps ahead so that there's always something to surprise the players in a good way i would say i i think you have a good chance of getting what you want firstly because it's not like one of your main concerns is that you would end up in a position potentially where you what you, you would feel like what you were doing didn't really matter or wasn't really contributing or we're just kind of on this inevitable path anyway. And I think that everything about the game design we've seen so far shows that they are being mindful of, of giving the players a level of control and shaping the world. So I wouldn't worry about that. You know, there's no way to know for sure, but I, I feel pretty confident that you're, you're going to get what you want uh, in that regard. Um, so, yeah. And then as for me, uh i like the game of thrones aspect of it and you, you'd mentioned eve online earlier so i i hope that the node system provides and i think it will the tools to allow for some good old-fashioned real world chaos ladder power struggle you know just just the human element to really thrive in a virtual world um i don't even play eve and occasionally a story about something that happened on eve will come across my radar and i'll read the story and i'll only understand 10 percent of what's going on and i'll still like finish reading that story like holy shit <laughs> like that was a huge deal for a lot of people orchestrated months in advance like god damn and i'm like barely <laughs> understanding the actual impact it's having so i want to see that in in this game i want to see you know like a new king has risen is like a, a sufficiently world-changing event um, and that there's, you know, always the possibility for that and that insurgencies have to keep getting stomped out and, 
you know, just uh, everlasting turmoil, really. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say for myself, uh, it's it's a pretty simple one. I think it's probably one that's going to be achieved. Uh, but it's the thing that I've, I've found that at MMORPGs has been persistently uh, missing. And that's uh, healthy player interaction. And what I mean by that is really finding ways to encourage the community, whether it's a node level, uh, not node level, but metropolis level down to the to the town level, to the village level, to the overall zone level, whatever you want to call it. Hell, even the even the community of Ashes of Creation, all of us waiting in general, um, work to eliminate these toxic fucks that are out there by positive player interaction, encouraging that through some system. Uh, you know, like the times I can think of uh, are like, I remember back to the earliest days of my MMORPG experience for me was, you know, vanilla WoW. And that was me running around aimlessly. And, you know, there wasn't this like, I'm isolated into just my my voice comms talking to somebody or I'm just isolated into my party. Like, you know, you would see people freely chatting in zone chat, uh, you know, like uh, just you, you'd have a guild and people were constantly talking in there. And, you know, it was a, the the player interaction, like the stories of like, well, I logged on today and I came across somebody I never met and, you know, I helped them. And then, you know, this happened and that that sort of sense of community, not the, well, I logged on today and these guys were trolling and I saw this in chat, like encouraging people and they can do it. Like there's systems in plenty of other games where, you know, community and participation and that level is always there. Like we had a server event. We hung out with the GMs. They all popped up on the server in one location and we all did this cool stuff together. And, you know, no one was really being toxic. Well, because they got the ban hammer or they got timed out or something like that. Like well, stuff like so that. I I would say, well, so first off, I've, I've got good news for you on that front. <laughs> At PAX, they stress that the number one thing that they put above everything else is community. Right. I was actually trying to, so they said they would have very, very few soul bound items and i was trying mm. super hard to talk to them that like just let's do no <laughs> soul bound items. Yeah. i absolutely despise mm-hmm. the concept of soul bound stuff that doesn't like there's a, a very small handful of things that have to be soul bound for practical purposes but like legendary items i was like trying to say like please do not no matter what it is um and so that spawned into a conversation about like dps meters and like how competitive Remember. people are etc but ultimately they, they kept coming back to like, at the end of the day, the most important thing is community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're going to get what you want. But then so the other thing is uh, you were saying like, let's not tolerate toxic dicks. Let's see the mods or the CSRs or whatever it is, ban them. But I would like it to go one step further. I think it'd be great if the community had the tools to self-regulate mm. kind of like how we have on Twitch, like different Twitch channels allow different things and there's kind of like a different culture you know you go on one person's channel and they're like you know this is a christian channel we don't allow cuss words and then right. you go on the very next channel and they're like what the fuck is up so you know very different i would like to see that in towns where some towns will be like you know we, we got a lot of trolls here everyone just kind of shanks themselves welcome to the wild wild west bitch <laughs> and and then other towns where uh, other towns where if you step out of line everyone there is like you should leave you should leave you get a bounty on your head. You don't here. Oh, I like that. I like that. So, uh, I think I think that tools. would be that would be fantastic to have a bounty system where it's like this guy came in here, man, this ass hat dude. 
he came in here wouldn't his, shut up his fucking potion stand right next to larry's <laughs> potion stand literally sold them for one cent less than him as soon as larry was talking to someone he went over there and inserted himself in the conversation fuck that potion vendor yeah that that less that one copper less of the other guy yeah. <laughs> yep man just you know like yeah really encourage you know it's it's like those stories of like you know you used to see somebody get a legendary out server and you you saw that communication and it's like it along the way and i think it was because of a lot of like the changes to the not necessarily that the the community itself but it's like at some level when you start to in, in, invent and create new features like queuing for example like if i could just queue for a dungeon then like that takes the whole element of hey um i need four more people for a dungeon and i'm looking for a healer and i'm you know i know it's it's not convenient it's in this world of convenience being everything and get it now get it quick but when you had to do that you had more time to interact with players you know you, you made new friends more and you weren't isolated into i log on and i queue for my dungeons i queue for my raids and i don't ever explore this world i mean how many damn mmos do you go hop into where there's this massive world to explore and no one's doing it. They're sitting in one place queuing all day. Yep. And, and so uh, to touch on that, I agree with you hundred percent. That's what I want to see is, is not automated systems, but encouraging the people to interact with one another and galaxies uh, did this very, <laughs> they did it really well. If you, if you took too much damage from combat, you got wounds. The only way to remove wounds, you had to see a medic or a doctor. And those are players. You had to go to the medical facility and talk to the medic and doctor players to get it removed. If you uh, and then on your uh, a different action bar, if you got wounds, that could only be removed by a musician or a dancer. And the entertainers right. were players. You had to go to the players that could help you with that nice. and interact with them. If you wanted to change your like appearance, that. image designers were players. Like it was just like everything it. you needed. It wasn't like go to the vendor, go to this NPC. It was like find a player that does yeah. that. So. And, and literally, so even the skills, like, here's a perfect example. And this, this is like a really small thing, but it's like amazing for, uh, for instigating like community. So let's say you wanted to learn a new skill. You could go to the trainer NPC and they would charge you a flat fee to learn that skill. Other players that had the skill could teach it. And so some of them were just trying to help out and be like i'll teach you for free so instead awesome. of going to spend the money you'd ask like hey does anyone know this can anyone teach me and then to get to like the top top rank of a class you had to have enough teaching xp so you wanted to seek out like hey does anyone need to learn i can teach so it brought student and master together and you'd literally have people who were like you know i'm just now learning this this new skill uh i'm not this class anymore i don't need this weapon anymore and then the guy would be like oh well I'm going to start taking up that class as a matter of fact, and I could use a really good weapon. It was nice talking to you. Uh, let me keep your contact info, buy that weapon from you in a week. Like it was, right. was that cohesion. I feel you, man. So, uh, yeah, so that's, we're wrapping up the Simcast. I'm going to, cause you know, I'm sorry. I love you, man. You know, I love you, man. I'm sorry. You uh -huh. might, you might like this. So I got to encourage everybody, dude. Like, so this week, uh, I was like, you know, looking at my Twitter and stuff and I saw this, uh, Oh, this no. <laughs> this post <laughs> I posted the Discord for all the Crusaders. <laughs> you were in a bacon um like shirt. What, a shirt, a bacon, 
and it was uh, a skimpy rather looking suit and it was uh Oh boy, you're looking so. you're looking pretty in some bacon. So I just I got to encourage everybody to check out that tweet on his uh, Twitter. And uh, if not, if you're not there and you don't like Twitter, man, check out my discord. I got it posted. It was a beautiful thing. And I laughed for a good 10 minutes, man. If you want to see a pale nerd <laughs> in a shirt made of raw bacon, if that's your thing. Uh, it was raw bacon. I put that out there. Yeah, it, it was. was so yeah. some context behind that. The viewer that. <laughs> paid to challenge me to do that his name is bacon oh god uh and i made the mistake of saying you'd be surprised what you can get me to agree to do with the right yep. donation yeah would you wear a shirt made out of bacon made out of and me. i made the mistake of saying i don't see why not yeah and uh, the expression on your face in that picture ran uh, pretty accurate <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sorry man like i said i love you man but God, I had to. No, I, mean, I had to. People got to see it. People, the world. People get some enjoyment out of it. It was really cold and slimy. <laughs> I actually put in a lot of work to make that shirt. Dude, like, it looked can, legit. You can Crafting. tell the pins. What you can't see is I had to buy a sewing kit and thread the bacon into the shirt. Every one of those pieces is stitched in there. God. Um, yeah. Will you eat bacon anytime yeah. soon? The, the no. clips make it, though. The yeah. clips definitely make I'm, it. I'm hoping it, it paid for itself as a, as a time investment. My girlfriend wouldn't even come in the room. She would open the door and be like, oh, it smells like bacon in here. But like raw bacon doesn't smell good. Um, so she literally wouldn't come in the room. Oh, and and my, my dog was uh, unusually interested in being around me as well. Um, oh, man. Fantastic. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, we'll go dayless and casino. You guys want to let everybody know what your domain is, where you reign, and where they can find you and your content. Sure. Um, I'm on the internet. Um, my website is ashenherald.com. Um, you can see my content on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash the Ashen Herald. And you can reach me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash the ashen herald sweet and I, I see you constantly posting content so uh yeah definitely check out the ashen herald they stay busy with that ashes content mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh i am found also on the internet um at twitch.tv slash casino that's casino with a k-h-a-s-i-n-o every day 1 p.m pacific time uh and then youtube.com slash c slash casino spelled the same way and uh, yeah, those places will have links to my other stuff. And uh, I'm not going to shout out all my stuff and things. You probably know where they're at. You're on the Simcast after all. It's been a great episode. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being on here. It's been fun as always. And to everyone else, I will catch you next week on stream. Have a great week, everyone. Last, last shout out. We made it through last the shout Simcast out. without my dog barking. Success. That was fantastic, actually, man. It's, a, it's indeed a milestone in episode 30. Everybody have a great week. Take care.